Once again I face Satan this morning And I battled him all the day long But in my weakness God sent reinforcement And at sundown I sang victory song And the sun's coming up in the morning Every tear will be gone from my eyes This old clay's gonna give way to glory And like an eagle I'll take to the sky In a world filled with doubts and confusion It's so hard when you don't understand Oh, but I'm standing on a solid foundation And I'm holding to an unchanging hand And the sun's coming up in the morning Every tear will be gone from my eyes This old place gonna give way to glory And like an eagle I'll take to the sky And the sun's coming up in the morning Every tear will be gone from my eye This old place gonna give way to glory And like an eagle I'll take to the sky The sun will come up in the morning. We're going to get Brother Moon back up here in just a few moments. And again, most of you are aware of who he is. If you've been here, at least last year, we had him in as well. Again, all the way from uh, Shawnee Baptist Temple, right? Church. Same difference. Yeah, everybody messes ours up all the time. They say church for us and we're temple, but it doesn't even matter, does it? I mean, I think we're okay. We'll make it. But we're certainly glad to have him all the way from Shawnee Baptist Church. And he's on the staff there and doing a great job. And, uh, again, what a blessing he's been to us through the years. He, uh, uh, at the time when they had the Bible college going full swing, he was the, um, uh, he was basically the head of the college. And, uh, uh, you know, always a pastor's name is on the top because, you know, it's pastoral authority and all that stuff, local church. But he's the man that ran the place. He's the one that did all the real footwork, and we certainly appreciated his impact and his influence in the lives of some of the men here. Matter of fact, Joshua and uh, Brother Brad, both of them, uh, went to that school and both graduated from that school. And boy, I'll tell you what, uh, Brother Moon's influence was very, very large and uh, looming over their life, and uh, still you can see that influence today. And boy, we certainly appreciate the uh, work that he's done there at that college, the work he does at the church, and just the work that he's done in the lives of young men and young ladies across this country. And so he's going to come preach for us in just a moment. But before he does, our ladies are going to sing for us. Ladies, do you need this? No. Like Daniel, let me stand like Paul, let me 
Come preach for us, would you? Amen. Well, I think, uh, am I turned on here? All right, good. All right. Well, hey, great to see you here this morning. I've said it before, but I'll say it again this morning. How many of you would rather be here than in jail? I saw some people didn't raise their hand. You do get three square meals, they tell me. Is that right, Brad? Remember when I had to bail you out that time? He, uh, he got in some trouble when he was in college and got put in jail, and I had to bail him out. Did, we never told you all about that, did we? Oh, oops, sorry, brother, I let the cat out of the bag. 
But uh, anyway, they t- he tells me that you get three square meals. And so, hey, you know, it's better, I guess, than sleeping under the, uh, under the, uh, under the Vidoc, and that some folks do up there in Louisville, and uh, having to go beg for food. But anyway, so it's great. But uh, I'd rather be here than in jail. And uh, so I'd, I'm glad you had to. And by the way, it's an honor to be here today. Thank you so much for being in church, first of all. Second of all, preacher, thank you for the opportunity to come and preach in your church. I don't take that lightly, and I love your pastor. He's a good man. And I probably value his friendship more than I do anything. And I appreciate friends. And boy, I tell you what, uh, God has done something special for y'all here. And he's going to do something special for you in the future. And you're just going to have to jump on board and ride. And uh, you're going to see God do some great things. And uh, I hope that uh, we just have a great time this week. I've been praying that God would would just uh, use us and would use you and me and all of us together to have revival. I want revival. I want to stay revived all the time, and I need it all the time. And I'm not like some of you. You get it, and it's last. For me, I have to keep getting it over and over again. I got saved once, but I need to get revived over and over again. I got regenerated once, but revived a bunch of times. And so I'm excited, and the gentleman back here is going to take me, let me drive his Corvette this week. No, actually, he told me he wouldn't let me drive it. And uh, kind of hurt me a little bit, but... You probably saw me driving this morning, that's why. But uh, anyway, it is great to be here. If you have your Bibles with you, I hope you do, or your iPads or your phones, you can scroll there if you will, but turn to Matthew chapter number 14. This day and age, you've got to change how you say it. You can't say open your Bible, you say open your device. And uh, take your device and turn to, uh, and so hey, if you've got the Word of God, I'd rather you have this. But I've got a phone that's got the Bible on it. I've got an iPad over it's got the Bible on it. But I know one thing. I'd rather have this one. But I tell you what, if that's all you got, it's the other one. Wonderful. Hey, take it. At least it's the Bible. Amen. Amen. Not least. It is the Bible. That's good. Good, better, best. Never let it rest. Brad, till your good is better than your better best. Amen. I tried to teach him that when I was in school. He never learned it, but I tried. So here's the best right here. No King James Bible. Amen. If you can't get excited about something, something wrong with you. So get excited about the Bible and about being saved. This has nothing to do with the message, but I just wanted to say it because I like to say this. When the disciples were sent out two by two, you remember the story. Seventy were sent out. And they came back and they had victory over the demons and so forth. And they were excited. And they were saying, man, we did this and we did that. And I, in my mind, I can imagine what they're saying. And I'd have been the same way. I'd have come back going, you will not believe what God did. Woo, hallelujah. Well, it was great. And Jesus says something interesting to him. He says, rejoice not that you have power over the demons. Though. Here's what he says. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Amen. Guess what? I don't always have victory every day in my life because of my lifestyle sometimes. But I'll tell you what, I always have salvation. Once I got saved, I'm always saved. So no matter how down it is or what I'm going through in life, I can always rejoice because I'm saved. Because I got born again, I got saved, and my name's written in heaven. I couldn't take it out if I wanted to, and I don't want to. But I got, and as I said in Sunday school class, as Joe Hughes just say, I'm so saved, it's pitiful. Amen. (laughs) And so I'm excited about being saved. I'm glad you're here this morning. If you would, stand with me if you're physically able. If you're not, you just remain seated. I understand. Matthew chapter 14. Is that where I said to turn? It's all the word of God doesn't matter. All right? It's all God's word. But well, let's be more specific. Chapter number 20, uh, 14, verse number 22. 
Follow along silently as I read out loud. And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. When the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And, but when the, he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to, beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said to him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? When they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God. Father, we need you this morning. And I pray your Holy Spirit would meet with us. Father, these people haven't gathered to waste their time. Nor do I want to waste their time. So Holy Spirit, control my mind. Control my heart. Control my lips. So watch for my mouth. Keep the doors of my lips. May your Holy Spirit have full reign in this place. Lord, if there's one person here that's not saved... May today be that glorious day when they can rejoice because their name's written in heaven. Please make it so, Holy Spirit. Please, please, please meet with us and have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. In this chapter, it starts out with Herod beheading John. And then from that, we go to the story of the feeding of the 5,000. At the end of the feeding of the 5,000, while he's sending the people away, Jesus says to the disciples, I want you to get in a ship. I want you to go to the other side. Then Jesus sends the multitude away and goes into the mountain apart to pray. When the evening was come, he was there alone, and the men were in the ship and the boat. And the Bible says in verse 24, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea tossed with the winds for the waves wind was well I'm sorry with the waves for the wind was contrary. And then the fourth watch would be between three AM and, and day, day daylight, Jesus went out walking on the water to meet them. And first they didn't know who it was and they were fearful. You know the story well. They were fearful. Jesus spoke to them and said, Be of good cheer as I be not afraid. Then Peter says to him, Lord, if it's really you, let me come to you and walk on the water. And the Bible says that Peter stepped out and he walked on the water. Then he saw the wind and the boisterous waves around him and he began to sink and immediately he said, Lord, save me. The Lord saved him. Then the Lord Jesus said to him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Why did you doubt me? And then they came into the ship, and when they did, the waves ceased. Boy, isn't it great to know we got a great God who determines the waves of the sea even. This morning I was looking out the window at the snow. I don't know if y'all know it or not, but it really doesn't snow normally on April the 2nd and 3rd. 
not normally. Not where I'm from, anyway. We've had it March the 1st and 2nd a few times, but not April. It is springtime somewhere in America. We don't know where yet, but it is actually springtime. And I was looking out the window at the snow, and I was reminded of a message Brother Dave preached back a few a couple months back when it was snowing outside, and he preached on the snow and, and made the comparisons between God and how God made the snow. And I thought about his message for a few minutes, and I thought, God, just think about it. Man can make snow on these places for skiing, but it's not the same. But they can't make snow fall all over the whole city or all over the whole county. Only God can. Only God. And only God can make snow that's so white. It's just, as they call it, like the fuller stone, I believe is what they call it. But the white snow representing the purity of God and the righteousness of Almighty God. We got a great God. He controls the winds and the waves. I was on the way here yesterday and I got out of the car to get gasoline. And the wind was blowing so hard, man, it was like, good night. If I hadn't had my hair locked in place with, with hairspray. No, wait a minute, back up. If I hadn't had my hair, H-A-I-R, singular, one hair, locked in place with hairspray, it was about to blow my head off, but my hair didn't move, brother. I mean, it, when you put a half a bottle of hairspray on there, it won't move. I have to wash it four times before I get just through the first layer of hairspray to get to the racks of hair to wash the dirt off of it. In fact, I'm not sure it's dirty. The hairspray absorbs it first. But anyway... Some of you in this room know what I'm talking about. We don't comb our hair. We, we sculpture and transform our hair. Some of us in here don't have any hair left to sculpture. Just let it go. Let it go. I got a granddaughter that watched that, uh, the, I don't even know what it is, something about snow frozen or something. And she sings, let it go, let it go. I'm like, would you let it go? I'm tired of that song. In your case, my brother, you must have said, let it go. It let go, that's for sure. Bless your heart. And mine's doing it too. I'm going to be like you. And then we can shine them up real good and put a little, uh, you know, like stuff like you put on your car, a little, you know, and we'll buff it off like this. And we'll match and see who's got the shiniest head. You'll probably win, but I'm going to give it my best, brother. You do have a buffer. Oh, I didn't think of that. I was using the rag. It, you got an advantage on me. That's why you won. You cheated. All right? has nothing to do with the message, but but it is good, yeah. Anyway, the wind. God controls the wind. He had that wind blowing today and so forth. And yesterday, he brought the snow. We got a great God. God did, Jesus wasn't surprised when he, got, when he started out across the lake and the water was, the wind was blowing. He created the wind. He wasn't shocked when the waves were there. He made the wind bring the waves up. The truth is, in this story, we see several different truths that I want to give you, but let me just say this before we start. The boat was a place of security and safety for those fellas. They didn't want to step out. And the reason they didn't want to step out is because the waves and stuff will drown you, brother. I doubt very seriously if they had, uh, had any kind of devices to keep them from, from drowning. I don't know if they had any life-preserving devices in those days. I doubt they did. Years ago, we were on Lake Michigan. I've told this story several times. I think I've told it here, but we were on Lake Michigan in a youth camp, and I was on there, and I won't tell the whole story, but our boat died, and we couldn't get it start, and all the other boats left the lake except for us, and we were the only ones out there. 
And we didn't know it because we were behind the sand dune and the wind was going above the sand dune. It was bringing up over it. So where we was at, the water just looked like sea of glass, like you could walk on it. But slowly but surely we were drifting toward the middle of the lake. And we realized after a while that the, the, when you looked over at the uh, land, it was getting further and further away. And uh, we were desperate, and we were in praying, dear God, <clears throat> there's several of us on this boat, and we're going to die. Several more teenagers. And I, I counted the, the devices we had, the uh, uh, life jackets, and we were short one or two. And I thought, man, I hate that, that some of the teenagers are going to drown, and I'm going to live. <laughs> Look, I was more valuable as youth pastor than they were as kids. Doesn't that make sense? <laughs> I was married with kids. I was more important. No, I was sitting there thinking, man, I'm going to drown in this lake now because I'm not going to be able to swim. And I got to give them, I know why I could face their parents if I let them drown. But you know, that boat was a place of security. And then here came a boat along. And that night, I sang the song. I changed the words. I was drifting away on life's pitiless sea. And the angry waves threatened my ruin to be. And away at my side there, I deeply, I deeply described. I'm getting the words mixed up. A, state, a stately old vessel, and loudly I cried, Come and take us on board <laughs> before we drown. But that boat was a place of security for him. Why don't you notice something? There's about three phases I want to mention in this. Number one, the first phase is this, the stepping out of the boat by faith. Look what he did. He says, Lord, Peter did, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. First thing happened, I see the request. Lord, if thou be, notice what he says now. Now, Lord, if it be thou, if it's really you, Lord, would you let me walk on the water to you? That'd be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? You heard the story about, and I think I've told it here maybe, you heard the story about the three preachers that went out fishing together, don't you? There's a Methodist, there's a Catholic, there's a Baptist. They're out fishing together. They stopped. They're sitting there. And the Catholic guy got out of the boat, walked right across the water, went over to the bank, walked right back and got back in the boat. Old Baptist boys look at him like, wow, how do you do that? Methodist boy gets out, preacher gets out of the boat, walks right across the water, boop, 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 boop. walks back, get back in the boat. Methodist boy thought, man, if a Catholic can do that and a Methodist can do that, this old Baptist boy can walk on water too. He stepped out the other side, went under, came back up the top, said, looked at those guys and the Methodist guy said to the Catholic guy, you think we're to tell him where the rocks are? <laughs> well, Peter wasn't walking on rocks. Peter was walking on the water. And he walked on the water. He said, Lord, if it be thou. Lord, if that's really you, bid me come unto thee on the water. He didn't say, Lord, bid me swim to you. He said, let me walk to you on the water. But you know what he had to do first? He had that by faith, step out of the boat. And here was the response that Jesus gave him. Come! And the Bible says when he said come, Peter walked out. And let me say this. The impossible is only done by faith in God's Word. Amen. 
I'm going to say it again. The impossible is only done by faith in God's Word. You know what? Some of us, we have impossibilities in our life. We really do. And I believe God wants to take some of those impossibilities and make probabilities out of them and make, make them come to reality if we would by faith do what God says in His Word. Look, notice this. He didn't say, I read somewhere where you could walk on water. And I went on YouTube and I found a video where people were walking on water and I've been studying it extensively and I know how to walk on water now. No, he said, Lord, if, it, you, if it's you, Lord, bid me come to you. And the Lord said, come. When Jesus spoke, that was God's word. And he responded to the word of God and did the impossible. You cannot walk on water. Those men knew where the rocks were at. They weren't walking on water. And no one has that ability. Only God can walk on water. And the truth is, they walked out. He walked out and he walked because he took what amount of faith he had. Peter had enough faith to get out of the boat even though the waves and the wind was there and it was tossing the boat about. If you back up and look earlier, it says this. And in the fourth, well, verse 24, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. It, look, when Jesus came walking across the water, the waves were still there. The wind was still there. And Peter had enough faith to step out of the boat. A lot of times people criticize Peter and say, well, Peter didn't have much faith. He had more faith than the people in this room than I have all put together. He did step out of the boat. Say, yeah, but I read the rest of that verse, a chapter. So did I. And I know what he says, O thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? But I also know this. I know that the Bible said if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could say to the mountain, be thou removed and cast in the sea, and it would happen. Have you moved any mountains lately? That's what I thought. So we criticize Peter, but he did walk on the water. And may I, let me ask you a question. How many other people in the Bible walked on water besides Peter? Just Jesus. And he was God. Nobody else walked on water but Peter. Just Peter. Pretty good, huh? He did something no other man other than God has ever done. He walked on water. The winds were still there. The boat was still being tossed back and forth. John 15, verse 5, the last part of the verse says, Jesus said, for without me you can do nothing. He didn't walk in the water in his own strength. He walked in the water in the strength of Jesus. For with God, nothing shall be impossible, the Bible says in Luke 137, the end part of the verse. Matthew 17, 20, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. And he's, by the way, in that passage, in 17, Matthew, he's talking about, talking about the faith of the grain of mustard seed. Nothing is impossible when you put your trust in God. Nothing is impossible when you're trusting in His Word. Hearken to the voice of God today. Hey, look, there's our problem. We don't hearken to the voice of God today. Nothing's impossible with God. The problem is, we see them only as impossibilities. Let me make this statement before I go on. Let's go back. Look at, before I make this statement, let me read a verse. Verse 29. 
And he said, Jesus said, come. And Peter was, was come down out of the ship. He walked on the water. And what's the last uh, four words there? To go to, say it with me, to go to Jesus. about you, but he was going to see Jesus. He was going to Jesus. I like that. Peter walked on the water. Phase one, we see him walking by faith, stepping out, walking on the water. Phase two, I see this, him shifting his eyes off of Jesus. Now look at verse number 30. And when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Notice what happened. Immediately, he saw the circumstances around him and took his eyes off of Jesus. Now, I don't want you to miss this this morning. That's a problem in a lot of our Christian lives. We start going through life and circumstances happen, don't they? Life happens. And when life happens, we begin to look at the circumstances instead of the God of the circumstances. And if you take your eyes off the God of the circumstances, you'll begin to drown under the circumstances. You'll begin to sink. You'll begin to lose what you've got. Look, some of us are going through the circumstances of a medical condition. Some of us are going through the circumstances of financial reversal. Some of us are going through the circumstances of, of children that have gone astray. Some of us are going through the circumstances of a family member that died. Some of us are going, and if you're not careful, you get caught up in the circumstances and take your eyes off of Jesus. And that's why the impossible doesn't happen is because what was working it's not working because you took your eyes off the one who does the work for you and flew you. Don't take your eyes off of Jesus. Peter did something no one else had ever done. And no other disciple did. No other disciple ever walked on the water. Just Peter. But when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink. And see, he saw the wind. That same wind and waves that he was walking over the waves while the wind was whipping the waves up all at once began to conquer him because he took his eyes off of the Jesus and put them on the wind and the waves. And don't we as Christians get caught doing that? Help us, help us. We take our eyes off of Jesus and put them on the circumstances. And everybody, every single person in this room has circumstances. You just can't live without them. Look, you're either going through a valley or you've been through a valley, you're going through a valley, or you're going to go through a valley. It's just part of the life that we live. And if you think you're never going to have a valley, you really are kidding yourself. Circumstances will happen. He shifted his eyes off of Jesus when the circumstances came. When you get your eyes on your circumstances, your problems, your money issues, the culture of the day, the world, that's when all at once you begin to sink. You know why people are quitting church? Because they got their eyes off of Jesus and they're beginning to sink in all their problems. Well, I went to church there, but it just didn't do any good. What didn't do any good? Well, I know what y'all say, but it doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for anybody unless they look to Jesus. You have to take his word by faith. The only way to have victory is to apply God's word to your life. 
You don't have victory by knowing God's Word. You have victory by applying God's Word. And they said, well, if I just knew more. Look, we live in a day of knowledge galore. I said a while ago, you can download on your, on your iPads, on your phones, on your laptops, on your uh, whatever device you have. You can download, you can download all kind of Bible studies. You can, if you've got the money to pay for them, you can get unbelievable amount of information. And at the flip, uh, push of a button, you can come up with all kind of stuff. It's not that knowledge is not available. It's not that we can't find it. And it's not the knowledge that we need necessarily. It's the taking that knowledge and applying it to our life. He knew he could walk on the water. He was walking on the water. But when he took his eyes off of Jesus, that's when he began to sink. And what we do is we go through life as we get saved and we know Jesus is the answer. And we know He's got, He can take care of all the problems. But as life goes on, sometimes we all at once look around and say, wow, I do have problems, don't I? And when you take your eyes to look at the problems, you're taking them off of Jesus. And the moment you do that, you're starting a sinking process. And it won't be long before you're engulfed for the waves of, of problems, engulfed for the waves of, of difficulties, engulfed for the problems of, of life. And the circumstances will begin to drown you and pull you under. And by the way, Satan's there to make sure it happens. Amen. Don't take your eyes off of Jesus. The Bible says in Colossians, set your affections on things above. We take our eyes off of Jesus and wonder why we don't have victory. I see the circumstances and I see the concern he had as he shifted his eyes off of Jesus. The Bible says Peter was afraid. My Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, But God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. So where did his fear come from? Jesus is right there saying, come. He steps out and he's walking on the water. Where did his fear come from? Well, Brother Moon, it was the waves and the wind. No, when he stepped out of the boat, the waves and wind were there. So it wasn't the waves and the wind. It was the fact that he took his eyes off Jesus and looked at the waves and wind and became afraid. And some of us are fearful and the reason we're living a life in fear is because you've taken your eyes off of Jesus and you stop going to Him with every problem, with every need, with every difficulty. And when you take your eyes off of Jesus and don't go to Him with every problem, every difficulty, remember He was walking in the water to go to Jesus. And when you take your eyes off of Jesus, you put your eyes on something other than Him. You're, you're, there's no doubt about it. It's the recipe for failure. And He failed. We ripped Peter. When in all essence, we'd have never gotten even out of the boat, let alone walked on the water. It's easy to rip Peter. I'll tell you what, he stepped out of the boat. I'll give him credit. So I see him, the first phase is I see him stepping out of the boat by faith. Then I see him sifting his eyes off of Jesus onto the circumstances and his concern. Then the third phase I see is Jesus, seeing Jesus as the only hope to save him. Isn't it great that he saw the only answer for his problems was Jesus? When will we see that? Well, I'm going to go. I've got 16 appointments I've got to go to with, with psychologists and psychiatrists and with this and with that and with counselors. 
I'm not against any of those necessarily. But wouldn't it be better to seek Jesus first? Amen. Don't get me wrong. Jesus gives us medical doctors. Luke was a doctor, was he not? He traveled with Jesus and he was a doctor. But the truth is, I don't ever remember him doing a whole lot of doctrine when he was with Jesus. Jesus, he didn't need to. He had the great healer. He had the great physician right next to him. Just trying and say, take care of it, Jesus. Don't mind if I do. And he did it. You know what our problem is? We haven't stopped to see what that real answer is. The answer is not you getting another job and quitting church on Sunday morning and Sunday night to pay your bills. It's quitting spending money you don't have and going to God and begging Him for wisdom how to take care of what you got. I'm going to say it again. It's not quitting church on Sunday morning and Sunday night to work another job. It's tithing, giving money to God, obeying His commands, and watching God take what you got and stretch it immensely to meet every need. Stop getting your wants and your needs mixed up. I need, our next to the youngest granddaughter, I have seven grandchildren. Got you beat by six. I got, <laughs> you'll be there though. I can see that coming on. Let's see. <clears throat> you, you four over there, get with the program, Mark. You're waiting on, the sun's coming up in the morning, but hey, look. Get with the program. I, I won't say anymore. You get it figured out. All right. I shouldn't have said that. I did, so I guess you can't do anything about it now. Brad, slow down, son. You don't have to do it all by yourself. There's some over there that can help, all right? You got to give this guy, you got to give him exact instructions. Make it easy. Break it down so he can understand it, all right? My next to youngest granddaughter, she'll say, we, we, we take her to church with us on Wednesday night. Her dad works at night, and he drops her off. And we take her to church on Wednesday night. On the way home, we, there's a donut shop that's open at night. The downfalls of my health. There's a donut shop open on Wednesday night. It's close to their house. And I take them back to uh, Georgetown. Kind of neat. They've got a park there close by, and they play ball and stuff at night out there in the summertime. And they cook those donuts, and the aroma comes over out of the ball field. <laughs> Folks get on playing. You, you can watch it. It's like a line going to that... Right over to that donut shop. And they are good donuts. Too. I'm talking, they're good. And so we're going home. She says, I need a donut. I'm like, Allie, you don't need a donut. So when she wants something, she says, I need that, Papa. Calls me Papa. Papa, I need that. I'm like, you don't need that. I said, like, oh, you need a donut? She said, I need two. I said, to Sheila, we can cut that one in half and she can get two. <laughs> She will not know the difference. So I get her a donut hole instead, and that takes up for the, for the two. And I need, here's what she said to me, I need a chocolate one. You don't need a chocolate donut. You don't even need a donut. Neither one of us need it. I'm already looking like a donut, all right? You don't need it. She thinks she does. And that's the way we are. We've got a childlike mentality. I need this. I need this. And we've got our needs and our wants mixed up. We don't need it. We want it. But watch this. He saw his need. Look what happens. And when he saw the wind, Boshus, he was afraid and began to sink. 
he cried saying, Lord, save me! And there's the answer to most of our problems. When you take your eyes off of Jesus, real simple, put them back on Jesus. When you put your eyes on Jesus, you can do the impossible. Things you think you can't do, with God, nothing's impossible. And then what God does is turns that around. And when you do take your eyes off, he still, you know what? Jesus was still standing there on the water. He hadn't left. Still standing there. He's still walking on the water because he's God. And he says, Peter says, Lord, save me. And the Bible says Jesus reached down and saved him. Let me ask you a question. What is it Jesus needs to reach down and save you from today? Say, well, I'm already saved. Okay. Are you drowning in your problems? Are you drowning in your difficulties because you took your eyes off of Jesus? Are you drowning in your disappointments? Are you beginning to drown and going under? Instead of walking on top of the problems, you're, un- you're under the load of the problems. And Jesus wants to pull you out from under that load and put you back on top. Let me read something to you. Watch this. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him. I like that. And said unto him, O thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? When they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Wait a minute. How did they get back to the ship? I think they walked right back to the ship. He pulled him up and said, all right, now I got you by the hand. When I've got you, you can't go under. And he took him by the hand. And when he took, walked in like this, he said, I got you by the hand. I, you say, it doesn't say it in the Bible. Okay, I know it doesn't, but in my mind, it's, it's there. I think he took him by the hand and said, okay, as long as I got a hold of you, you ain't sinking. If you're too dumb to keep your eyes on me, then I'll keep my hand on you. I think sometimes God has to say, you're not smart enough to keep your own eyes on me. So I've got to reach down and grab you and pull you back up and say, hey, have I got your attention now? Now let's go together back to the ship. Amen. And then you know what happened? The wind stopped. Maybe God wants to stop the wind in your life. The waves that are beginning to flow all over the place and you're afraid of, maybe he wants to conquer those for you today. If you'll just turn to him and put your eyes on him, and let him grab a hold and say, Lord, save me. And if, obviously, if you're here lost today, that's exactly what Jesus wants. He wants one response out of you. Lord, save me. I'm going to go to hell when I die, and I don't want to die and go to hell. Save me from going to hell. I trust you right now as my Savior. I want to get born again. I want to get saved. I'm sincere. I mean business. And the moment you do that, boom, he'll save your soul, transform you from on the way to hell to on your way to heaven for eternity and give you eternal life and transform your life. Lord, save me. What? Do you need him to save you from today? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I don't have the answers. I'm not God. I don't know the needs. I'm not God. But God knows the needs and has the answers. What is it in your life you need this morning? Hey, Brother Moon, I'm, I'm not having any problems. Praise the Lord. I'm glad for you. I'm happy for you. But just in case... You will have some in the future. Remember what I said this morning. Don't take your eyes off of Jesus. Some of you need to refocus this morning.